Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on April 3rd, 2022. The reason that we are going through the Gospel of Luke so in such a detailed way is because I want us to know Jesus. We need to know his words, his actions, his thought, his character, and his heart. The honest truth is we can't follow Jesus unless we know exactly who Jesus is. And today our passage focuses on an aspect of Jesus' character that we often miss. Jesus was a rebel, a nonconformist, a misfit, a renegade. He was not a typical rabbi. He didn't speak or act like most rabbis. He didn't fit into the religion of his day. Now, this amazed some people, frightened some others, and it led to much intense criticism, which later became hatred. He shook people up because he didn't fit neatly into any of the categories of his day. And Jewish life had categories of people much like we do today. And Jesus did not fit into any of them at all. He was completely different. For example, he wasn't a Pharisee. They were the conservatives of his day. They loved their rules and laws more than they loved God. And Jesus didn't fit with that. He wasn't a Sadducee. They were the liberals of his day, but he didn't ignore the miraculous and the eternal like they did. He wasn't an Essene. They were the isolationist of his day, but Jesus didn't withdraw from public life like they did, and he didn't adhere to their overly strict and ascetic moral code. And he wasn't a Herodian. They were the go-along-to-get-along party of his day, but Jesus refused to play political games And he refused to compromise in order to gain power and support. He didn't fit. He was different. He totally totally disrupted the religious life of his day. And as you see, we go through the Gospel of Luke. People, all people, began to get upset with him. Either they loved him or they hated him. That ultimately led to his crucifixion. Now, the fact that he didn't fit was good and led to drastically improved lives and eternities for many people. But for others, it was a horrible thing, and they needed to shut him up, squelch him. Jesus shook things up. And I kind of believe we need that today. We need to break out of our kind of political, religious, cultural molds and routines and follow Jesus as he really is. Now, if we do, it'll be a good thing, and it'll improve our lives and change our eternities. But if we do, like Jesus, be prepared for criticism, which might ultimately lead to hatred by some. Because Jesus was totally, completely different. Now, we can only be a part of Jesus' work in the world. I want you to understand this. If we really know who he is, and how he thought, and what his heart was like, and why he came. And so that's why we're studying Luke, and I really want you to understand it. In the passage for today, Luke 5, 27 through 39, we're going to see at least four ways in which Jesus did something different, something new, 
something disruptive, something out of the ordinary, a different way, a new way. And maybe you'll catch these as we read through it. Maybe um, I'll point them out to you later. But I really want you to understand who Jesus was. So let's stand together and read Luke 5, 27 through 39. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable, No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. I want you to be seated, and I want you to think about these things. Because you can see already, and we're only in Luke chapter 5, that people are beginning to get upset with Jesus. They began to criticize, they questioned him, they didn't understand him Because Jesus was doing things that completely disrupted religious life as it was lived in the first century. And so we need to know what these things are. Because even if we completely shake up religious life today, that's what we need to do in order to follow Jesus. Don't just fit in with everyone else, but make a bold stand. I will be like Jesus. And so I want to share with you four ways in which Jesus was totally new and different and completely found a different way than the religion of his day. And the first thing we see in that passage is that Jesus had a new way of looking at disciples. Now remember what we know so far. Peter, James, John, and Andrew were four fishermen. They weren't rich. They weren't famous. They weren't influential. They were small-town, everyday, ordinary workers. They had no special training other than what Jesus himself would give them. And if you remember their characters, these men had issues. Some had tempers that Jesus would have to tame. Some had big mouths which Jesus would have to rebuke. In other words, they were regular, ordinary, everyday kind of people. And now in this passage, Jesus called Levi, who you may know better as Matthew. Levi was a tax collector. Nobody, even today, likes tax collectors. 
Doesn't your heart skip a beat when you go to your mailbox and you see a letter from the IRS? I mean, I got one of those one time. Pretty much it started out, you are being audited. I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story, except I won that audit. But, but, but it didn't make me too happy at the IRS or at tax collectors. And Levi was worse than a tax collector today because he was seen as a traitor collecting taxes as a Jew for the Roman government. And he was probably, therefore, shunned at the synagogue. You can see the contempt of the Jews in their phrase, tax collectors and sinners. If they were like Jews of our day, they probably spat when they said it. Jesus, instead of looking at wealth and prestige and influence, Jesus saw the heart. And when he found a heart-seeking truth, regardless of their past or their reputation or their issues or their jobs, Jesus noticed and called them to follow him. I like to read old books, and I read an 1883 book by George MacDonald. The main character in the book, Curdy, had a gift of seeing a man's heart through his hands. He shook a king's hand and felt reptilian scales, and he knew he was dealing with snake. He shook the hand of a feeble old man with calluses all bent up with arthritis and he felt health and strength and knew he was dealing with a good man. Jesus looks past the facade and sees into our hearts. And that's where he gathers his disciples. People who are seeking truth regardless of what they've done, who they've been, how they've acted. So what does Jesus see when he looks at your heart? Because the danger of the church today is we know how to put up the facade. That Jesus could care less about our facade. Who are we in here? Jesus had a new way of looking at disciples. The second thing we see about Jesus is that he focused on a new target. Every business or religion or club has a target group. Who are you trying to reach? Mercedes-Benz dealers don't build their, their sales places, their dealerships in the slums. They, they go to rich neighborhoods because rich people are their target group. NFL teams don't draft 63-year-old past their prime and probably never were prime athletes. Their target is the young and the healthy and the almost freakishly fast or strong or big. I mean, everybody has a target group. Most religions go after the good, the healthy, and the moral. Jesus shook people up by going to a banquet, a party, with tax collectors and sinners. Why do you eat with sinners? The religious people of his day asked. You really might want to memorize Jesus' answer here because it tells us who he is and what his target group is. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, 
but sinners to repentance. Jesus lived this. He hung out with fishermen, widows, children, the blind, the lame, tax collectors. He touched lepers. He accepted the praise of prostitutes. He ate, we'll get to it, with Zacchaeus, a known liar and cheater. Why? Because he loved them. That was his target group. And they should be ours. 30 years ago, I watched my church. Not this one. But I watched my church, at least for a while, forget who our target group was. Service had just started, and a family came in from the back. And and let me describe the family. This was a good-looking family. Handsome, successful businessmen type, and he dressed the part with a beautiful wife who we found out later had been a, a, a TV actress for a short time. Two healthy good-looking, athletic-looking teenage boys. They came in and sat towards the back. And during the old-fashioned greeting time, man, our members flocked to them like they were Jesus and the disciples. So glad to have you. Glad you're here. What's your name? My name is... And we treated them like royalty. The next Sunday, a man came in after service started, sat in the back, He was scrungy looking. I heard from members later, he stunk. He smelled bad. He kind of looked like he had come off a 10-day alcoholic binge. And he sat in the back. During the greeting time, zero members approached him. And two of them grabbed their Bibles and moved away because of the stench. Sometimes Baptists are no better than the Pharisees. We seek the moral, the good, the healthy, the great-looking people. That couple, by the way, if you know what I mean, they had Southern Baptists written all over them. He didn't. Jesus had a new target. And my hunch is, though the whole church may have gone to the family, Jesus may have gone to the back. And talk to the man in the back. By the way, I never had a chance to talk to him. Service had already started. I was up front. And he left before service was over. I don't know if it was a bad sermon or just he didn't feel welcome there. But we need to remember who our target group is. So listen, next time you're thinking about inviting someone to church, remember who your target group is. You look at people and thought, they would never in a million years go to church. That is our target group. Jesus came totally disrupting religious life. He had new disciples. He had a new target. And the third thing is, and catch this, he had a new way of looking at worship. People came to Jesus confused. The Pharisees, their disciples fast and put on sad faces. The disciples of John fast and put on sad faces. Yours, eat and drink, they have sweet tea and pulled pork like they're at a barbecue. Rough paraphrase. 
Or maybe it was haritos and tacos or Coke and a burger. And listen to Jesus' answer. Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. So think of what Jesus was saying. Why should they mourn when I am with them? Instead, it's a time to celebrate. There will come a time for mourning. I believe he was talking there about the crucifixion. But why mourn and cry while I am here? There is a time for fasting. Solomon said there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. But as Christians, our default setting should be joy, not mourning, praise, not complaining, thanksgiving, not grumpiness. We should hear more laughter than crying in church. If others don't see joy, we've got absolutely nothing to offer to a world that's already hurting, already complaining, already whining, already down in the dumps. And if they go to church and they get the same thing, we've got nothing to offer. Now, I, I normally recommend Christian movies. I'm, I'm going to recommend one, by the way, that isn't per se a Christian movie. By the way, we're going to go to a Christian movie as a congregation in May. I'll tell you more about that um, down the road. But the one, this one is not particularly Christian, but it portrays something, and probably many of you have seen it. It's actually 30 years old, but go back and see how joy and fun and worship changed a Roman Catholic church in Sister Act. You remember that movie? Now, don't evaluate everything in the movie as I can't believe Pastor Jack, uh, you know, t t talked about that. But that what was happening, it was a dying church and a fake nun came in with joy and an excitement and celebration and the entire community noticed. Because Jesus had a new attitude towards worship. It's not just mourning and fasting and praying and crying and whining and complaining and calling out to God like it's the end of the world. We have Jesus with us, and if we do, we don't need to mourn and cry. So Jesus came in shaking up the religious life of his day, a new way of looking at disciples, a new target group, a new worship style, and, and, and the fourth thing, and this all adds up together, what he really was bringing was a new faith. Now think about the, 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 the analogies here. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. So understand what Jesus was saying. I didn't come just to take your old and tired Judaism and fix it, reform it, and reinvigorate it. So don't try and force me into your old way of thinking. Do you take a new shirt and cut a piece out of it in order to, 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 uh, to fix an old shirt? No, because then both are ruined. And do you pour new wine I guess I didn't get the fundamentalist Baptist version. Uh, do, do you pour new grape juice into old grape juice skins? 
Of course not, he said, because then you will destroy both. So don't try and force me into your old way of thinking. I'm something new. I'm the son of God who came from heaven to earth to live with you, love you, die for you, rise again with you, and call you to follow me. I don't fit into your old way of thinking about religion. So listen, understand what I'm telling you. We don't have an Old Testament faith that is slightly modified by the New Testament. The center of our faith is not the Ten Commandments as important as they may be. The heart of our faith is Jesus himself. God's son who came to earth. Jesus, God's son who lived a perfect life. Jesus who died for our sins and was buried. Jesus, God's son who rose on the third day and is alive today. Jesus who will be returning someday. Jesus taking us to be with him forever. The center of our faith is not religion. It's not morality. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's not the prophets. The center of everything we believe is that Jesus is the one and only son of God who died for us, rose again, and is looking us in the eye and saying, hey, all of you, come, follow me. That's our faith. So with these truths, let me lead you into three decisions. Our response today. Number one, accept the call of Jesus in your own life. Peter, James, John, Andrew, today's passage, Levi, were all called by Jesus to be disciples. And by the way, I love what Luke tells us about Levi, very similar to what he told us about the four fishermen. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. That's the call. He's not saying, add me to everything else in your life. No, come follow me. Make me your heart, your center. I'm asking you to follow me and make it all about me. That's the call, and Levi portrayed the ideal Christian response. And he left everything behind for the privilege of being a disciple of Jesus. Now, I'm hoping that you can feel in your heart and not just with your ears through my voice the reality that Jesus is calling you to believe in him and follow him. I cannot accept that call for you. Before Luke is over, we'll read of some people who were called and did not follow. So you've got to make that choice yourself. Jesus is calling. Will you say yes? Or will you say no? So I'm challenging you today to jump in with both feet. Go all the way. Call it being a fanatic if you need to, but I'm asking you to go all the way. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'll leave everything behind in order to follow him. So number one, accept the call. Number two, Based on one of the points I made, adjust your attitude. Wipe the frown off of your face. Take the complaints out of your mouth and quit whining about every obstacle in your life. When you find Jesus for real, one of the things you get is joy. 
And so you can celebrate, you can laugh, you can sing, you can praise, you can be thankful. Listen, do not learn from the world. The world today is mad about everything. They're mad about gas prices. They're mad at incompetent leaders. They're mad about their small paychecks and their high prices. They're mad at their bosses who don't know what they're doing. They're mad at their parents and their spouses and their children. They're mad at their sports team because coach doesn't have a clue about how to lead a team. Listen, you and I have Jesus, a life that is a great adventure of following Jesus and one that is only going to get better in eternity. We need to adjust our attitude, get out of the dumps, and start living lives of joy. So adjust your attitude, grumpy Baptists. <laughs> Accept the call. Adjust your attitude. And then number three, and, and we don't know that much about Levi or Matthew. He, he did write the gospel of Matthew, so he's a highly intelligent man, but, but I love what he did here, and I'm challenging you to do it. Introduce your friends to Jesus. Now, I love Levi's plan. He had a great banquet, and he invited all of his friends, and he invited Jesus. I want to introduce my friends to Jesus and Jesus to my friends. Now, that word banquet, here's a rough paraphrase of, well, okay, my paraphrase of what the Greek says. So, Matthew called everybody together, and he got out the grill and cooked some carne asada and grilled peppers and pico de gallo and salsa caliente and fresh tortillas and guacamole and tamales and frijoles, arroz rojo. That, that's my own paraphrase of that Greek word. <laughs> and if Matthew invited me, I would be there in a minute. Understand what this was. This was not a fellowship meal for believers. Let's gather the church. This was, I'm inviting all my friends who don't know Jesus, and I'm going to invite Jesus, and I'm going to say, this is my new Lord. This is my new master. This is the one I quit my job for to follow. This is the one I believe in. I believe he's the Messiah. Hey, he may even be the son of God, but he is the one I'm following, and I wanted you to know it. Now look at me. When was the last time you did something like that? I mean, did something specifically planned and executed to tell your friends about Jesus? We keep praying that God will open a door and we'll get an opportunity. Matthew didn't wait for a door. He didn't wait for an opportunity. Hey, friends, everybody, come to my house. Jesus, would you come too? And let me tell you about Jesus. I'm kind of challenging you to do something like that in your own life. Get out the grill. Fire up the stove. Go out for coffee or Coke or an ice cream with a specific purpose of telling people about Jesus. Now, let me give you some ways you can do that in the next couple of weeks. I invite some of your friends to our church picnic next Sunday afternoon. And then say, hey, after the picnic, I'd like to take you out for whatever, ice cream. And, and then tell them, okay, so you met some of my friends from church. You, you heard a little bit about Jesus and saw a baptism. What did you think? Because I believe in Jesus and I was baptized myself and I wanted you to know it. We're doing Easter Sunday morning very 
early, 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock. Invite a friend specifically, not just so that they will hear Pastor Jack, but that afterwards, hey, we're going to go to my house or your house or out to eat or whatever for breakfast, and I'm going to tell you, hey, what did you think about our church? What did you think about what the pastor said about Jesus? Hey, I want you to know I believe in Jesus. Can I tell you about it? Will that shake things up? Yeah, Jesus shook things up. But we need a little bit of that rebel attitude. That nonconformist. I'm not going to do what the world tells me and just shut up and be quiet about my faith. I'm going to break out of the mold and be like Jesus. So today I'm challenging you to accept the call if you never have. To adjust your attitude and introduce your friends to Jesus. And I want you to pray about it. And I want you to do it. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.